Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. Please do not adjust your sets as Bruce McCurdy adjusts his. I forgot to move my camera down. Okay. It's okay. This is, you know. High tech stuff. Not on this podcast for our technical wizardry, thankfully. (laughs) So it's not our, that's not, that's not what we're selling. We're selling authentic to homespun. (laughs) Homespun, not not 200 hockey men kind of guys, just regular fans, fucking Oilers. That's, that's our thing for the faithful, by the faithful. We're the by the faithful part. For the faithful is our, the wisest hockey fans in the world, Bruce, who listen to this podcast. All right. The Oilers made some moves. They've, uh, looks like they are, they're, mm. they're close to having a set roster. Sure. And there's some players on waivers. So I'm going to talk about all that. So the first thing they did, Bruce, was they have placed Sam Gagne and Brandon Manning, two well-paid hockey players, two veteran hockey players, and two really kind of slow hockey players on waivers. What do you make of it? Yeah, um, I was getting an increasing feeling. I have to say, I should have probably wrote about it that Gagne was uh, was very much on the bubble. And this morning, I was I was thinking about who's going to get cut, and I kept coming back to because just based on what I've seen in the last couple of weeks, like, well, I, you know, I like this guy, I like that guy. I mean, I do like Thomas Yurcho. I do like um, got it now. I do like um, the Yurcho uh, meter just went off. It was yeah. bing, 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 bing. <laughs> And I do. I, I have liked what I've seen. I've, I've liked what I've seen out of Patrick Russell. And the, the fact is that if those guys are not on waivers today, they're in there, right? Because it, it's not like they can be uh, sent down without being waived. So they made the team, as as I understand it. And the only um, uh, the only players that can be moved now are guys on entry level contracts who are. Uh, uh, immune from uh, from waivers uh, that can be moved on on short notice. So there's uh, there's a little bit of moves being done. Um, my initial reaction is, damn that Peter Shirelli. That's three point two five million dollars that's going to come off the Edmonton Oilers salary cap this year, uh, based on two terrible trades that uh, Shirelli made last year for guys that still had term on their contract. I mean, like uh, the trade for Alex Petrovich uh, wasn't a great trade, but at least he had no more term. So once they finished paying him off last year, $2 million to sit in the press box, he was gone. Whereas the trades for, uh, certainly for Manning directly, and I'll blame Shirelli for the Gagne acquisition only because he made the truly terrible trade of Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner and then Keith Gretzky tried to save the uh, save at least the optics of it all by trading out Spooner for Gagne but in in each case the the cap hit of Strom just carried through to Spooner and then on to Gagne and in each case they had an extra year to run whereas the Strom deal that was originally signed it's pretty good. Like, I didn't notice Ryan Strom's name on the waiver wire this morning. Did you? So each year that Peter Shirelli ran the team, Bruce, it got progressively slower. I mean, how slow would the team have been? How slow, how many years would it take for, for me or you to make the Oilers roster if Peter Shirelli's running the Oilers? 
probably about well, five more years. You're in better you're in better shape than, <laughs> than me. Although, in, in fairness, the slow argument doesn't quite wash with Ryan Spooner. He was oh, he fast. He was. He, no, he, was, he, was he, he was the one thing. He, he skating he was his thing. He did that, that sideways. He did that that ten yeah. and two. He did that ten and two cut nicely. But he was and he slow. could move a little bit. But he's. I mean, the, the trade for Gagne. Gagne is slow, and the trade for Manning was incomprehensible at the time and remains indefensible today, as far as I'm concerned. Incomprehensible and indefensible. I like that. That's you're you're on a roll there. <laughs> All right. Um, and now Peter Shirelli is invisible. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> he was always kind of invisible in Edmonton. I like the move, Bruce. I, I didn't think Gagne, I mean, he had made that one really sweet pass to Drysidle on a play, but and, and he had really good hands. And Sam Gagne, has co- I think he's actually come a lot. He's a better hockey player now in some ways than he was as a younger player. Mm-hmm. He's, he's more of a responsible two-way hockey player. I didn't, I, I kind of liked his game. I didn't. But I just think, really, the Oilers are desperate for speed. They really mm-hmm. are. They're just such a. They were just such a pathetically slow. Maybe the slowest team in the NHL last year, which is saying a ton when you have Connor McDavid on it. But I think I think there's a strong argument to be made. They were the slowest freaking team in the NHL last year. That was pathetic, and they needed. They're desperate to get faster. So they've added um, Yoakam uh, Gustav Nyquist Nygaard to their run. <laughs> I always, I always mm-hmm. refer to my first reference is always Gustav Nyquist, and I have to go and retype it. Um, so they added Nygaard, who can really fly. Um, Gaetan Haas, who may or may not make the team, it looks like he'll he'll be sent down for a little while. Mm-hmm. Gaetan Haas can really fly. Um, Josh Archibald looks like a decent skater, at least NHL average, maybe NHL plus. Grandlin looks like NHL average, NHL plus. Yurko, Yurcho, I, I, I screwed it up, Yurcho. He was Gagne's main competition, and Yurcho just played better than Sam Gagne. He, he, they're similar kind of players. Neither of them is very fast. But Yurcho, um, he showed more speed. He, and he's, he's, you know, Sam Gagne has probably made, what has he made? 20, 30, 40 million dollars in the NHL? So, yeah. Uh, Yurcho, he's a hungrier player right now. I like going with the hungry guy. Bet on the hungry guy. If, you're, if there's two guys of marginal NHL talent, and you're going to make a bet, um, go with the guy who played better in preseason, obviously, which was Yurcho, but also the guy who's hungrier and a little bit younger. And um, Gagne is a significantly more accomplished NHL player, but he's moving right. He's 30. He's moving out of his prime scoring years. Yurcho's still at the end of, or he's kind of, you know, near the middle or the end of that period. He's still got a couple of years where you'd expect him to, if he's going to ever have a big year, he could still have it now, so uh, I don't mind that either. And if he isn't going to have a big year, he can always be waived in a month, you know, or tomorrow. whatever, if he's not fitting in. Uh, $33.5 million estimated career earnings for Gagne, and he has, with 802 career games played, he was number one on the Oilers in the NHL experience department. And I'm not saying he's not a hungry hockey player. Like, he plays like he's a serious, committed pro, but... There is that desperation, I think, that you, you do see creep into players' games when they're really, really, really super hungry. Uh, I do, I have noticed that over the years. As for Brandon Manning, um, well, I'm not going to, we've, we've said enough about Brandon Manning. I think this is the last we've oh, seen. He's I'm, a, I'm not sure it is. I think he's still, he, they sent him out, or they waived him today so that they have free um, 
uh, and he'll clear waivers. No one's going to touch that contract. No one's going to touch the Gagne contract. Uh, he'll clear waivers, uh, but he's still practicing with the team. And because they also sent out William Lagason, who we'll talk about in a minute, they're actually down technically to six healthy defensemen uh, that are on the roster right now. And the idea is just because they waive uh, Manning doesn't necessarily mean he goes immediately to Bakersfield to not pass go, to not collect $2.25 million. It means uh, uh, that in, they can keep him up. They've done it before where they waved a guy and he played a game that night. Uh, what it means is that uh, in future he can be sent out without the uh, 24 hours notice. As soon as Joel Pearson is ready to play, he's gone. Uh, but it sounds like Laguson's already gone, so they're down to uh, seven healthy defensemen, and he's the seventh one. Waivers or no waivers. Brandon Manning is Mark Fain with an edge. <laughs> okay. Uh, William Laguson is, is gone. Like, I thought he played uh, well. I, I didn't mind his play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so, I really, based on a he's much bigger sample size, though, Bruce, of last year's play, I think Caleb Jones is a better player on the left side than William Lagosin. And I know that it didn't look like that necessarily in training camp this year. But I, uh, you know, I just think Caleb Jones is a superior hockey player to William Lagosin. So we'll see how that all plays out. I, 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 maybe they'll call up. They really took a shine to the player, obviously. But um, Jones is what they need. They need, they're desperate for speed at forward, puck moving on defense. And William Lagosin's okay at that. But Caleb Jones, I think, is a, uh, really strong skater and a, and a, and a good, he's at least NHL average already as a puck mover. I'm not sure that Lagosin is. All right. Um, Bruce, the waiver wire was humming. The humming today. Yeah. There's some interesting names out there on waivers today. Who do you like? Do you like anyone? If you, ho- if you were NHL GM, who would you take? Pro hockey what? rumors. Well, uh, the name that kind of jumps off the screen at me is Daniel Sprong, 22 years old. Uh, a rare uh, player from the Netherlands uh, who impressed Pittsburgh Penguins enough as an 18-year-old to play 18 NHL games and thus activate his entry-level contract two years ahead of time. Then they sent him back. So they signed him uh, to a two-year extension in uh, 2018. He played the first year last year. They traded him to Anaheim where he scored 14 goals in 47 games. That's nearly a 25-goal pace for Anaheim who now has turned around and cut the player at age 22. And he's cheap. Like, he's only made, I think I saw a 750. I have to go back to that. I wonder if he'll even get to the Oilers. The Oilers don't go first, obviously. They yeah, go. no, they're seventh or something. Same yeah. order as the draft, right? Yeah. He's uh, $750,000 with, uh, with one year to run. Like, that's a, that's a, very, uh, that's a very cheap bet on a guy, you know, score goals. Uh, you know, his... his ancillary stats are not great uh i'm not sure how complete a player he is i would suggest not very complete or there's not a chance he would be available but this is uh maybe uh mr dallas aikens uh having an influence in anaheim and uh he saw something he didn't like and i don't know if this is you know like the 22 year old version of pontus aberg or what we're dealing with here but clearly a guy with talent and youth who scored 32 goals and 65 points in 65 games as a 20-year-old in the AHL, which is, those are glittering stats. Bruce, A, I, th- I hear that he likes donuts a little bit too much. 
And B, I hear that Anaheim's clearing roster space for either Will Acton or Ryan Hamilton. <laughs> so he had to go. Cleary had to go. And, uh, oh, you know. nasty. <laughs> I'm expecting good things from Dallas Aikens in Anaheim. I'm going to go up my pedestal and say uh, he'll be a better coach the second time around than he was the first time around, which is not, not really that much of a stretch when you think no, about that, it. But, but I, do, I, I do think that uh, he overreached. He had some interesting ideas, hopefully for his sake and the Ducks' sake, which is to say not that hopefully. Uh, he, uh, he learned a few things and uh, will back off on some of his more radical ideas. I wonder what's wrong. Like seriously, he did to to kick them off down there because he's he's. I mean, there's only only three players on Anaheim scored more than fourteen goals. You know, Silverberg had twenty four, Raquel eighteen, Adam Hun- huh. Henrique had eighteen, and then there's Sprung's next with Getzlav at fourteen and, and in forty seven games, twenty last games and get. So what what did he do like? He pissed somebody off because because it doesn't make any sense. Well, he like, pissed someone off in Pittsburgh first that they dumped him last season during the season to Anaheim. So yeah. it's hard to know. It uh, to anyway, know. moving on the waiver wire. That's his Sprong's the first name on the list that I'm reading, okay. uh, and I'm not quite sure if it's complete, but it's got some interesting other names on it. Uh, Curtis Lazar to former Oilers fan, Oil Kings fans. I don't see him as being a target. And the problem with targeting any of these guys is the Oilers pick up a guy off of waivers. They got to get him in, and they're going to have to cut somebody else. So it's going to have to be an upgrade. And usually, you know, other teams rejects. You would think they might be marginally better than Oilers' very bottom players, but they really have to choose their spots. How about um, Casey DeSmith, Bruce, a goalie? Well, who had a 9.16 save percentage in 36 games for Pittsburgh last year, a 9.21 save percentage the year before. How about Casey DeSmith? What do you think? Well, uh, what that's I think... That's the only name, like Sprong yeah. Kemp's, that's tempting, but this uh, guy, that's really uh, tempting. As an old goalie, um, the, the specter of the three-headed monster is just one that doesn't wash. I've, I've seen it. I've never seen it where it really worked well. Um, you know, uh, maybe the year Oilers has Jacques Plante. That was his last time the three-headed monster worked well. Because he wouldn't this go time. on the road, yeah. Because he wouldn't go on the road, so they sent Chris Worthy and uh, who was the other guy? Anyway, they uh, Ken Brown was it? Ken, Ken Brown. Yeah, that's it, it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That, they're they're they actually were. That's a very remarkable story. What those three guys did as a as a uh, as a set of goalies. Anyway, because of the Mike Smith contract having its uh, uh, its clauses built into it, uh, and because of the Koskinen deal having the three years remaining, you're going to bring in Casey DeSmith and say, "Well, he's taken out, he's taken out Koski, or he's taken out uh, Smith already." Like it's the sort of thing where if you could have gone out and traded for this guy on July 1st instead of signing Mike Smith, hey. Sign me up. You know, three years, $1.25 million. Everybody thought that's a long-term contract for one so cheap for a pretty decent backup goalie in Casey DeSmith. But whatever, it looks like another former All-King, Tristan Jarry, has uh, won the job in Pittsburgh, at least for now. And uh, 
Penguins are really rolling the dice that no one will pick them up. But goalie, it's, it's so complicated because most teams have got their hierarchy set. They don't have sort of have, well, we're looking around for a number two at this point. And really, you could grab a guy in waivers. That means you're putting him on your NHL team. You're not grabbing him to send him down to your minors. That's not how it works. I, he, I, I read that he's 6 feet 181. So that mm-hmm. probably means 5'11". Uh, 181, I'm guessing. So he's a smaller goalie. That's interesting. I, I don't know much about the player. I just going off his safe yeah. chair, which is well, pretty, yeah, he, pretty damn impressive. For yeah. pretty damn impressive. Now I see, uh, I see Kevin Gravel on waivers. Uh, I see yeah. a player of long-term interest, but who's never really cut it. Nick Patan uh, waived. Nikolai Goldobin. Now there's an interesting name from Vancouver. This is a guy that's not yet 24 who's uh, been kicking around on the cusp of uh, the Canucks for, for a while. And I think he had something like 27 points last year. And But is he going to be an upgrade on Marcus Granlund, another guy that the Canucks cast aside? I mean, who would he replace? Uh, would it be an actual improvement on the team? So I, I think that's the big question, really, about any of these waiver. What guys. about uh, Robbie Shrimp version 2, Josh Hosang? Oh. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> he's never scored even 10 goals in the hl i don't yeah, believe he gets a ton of assists he's a dangler yeah he's a dangler. Uh, and he, he's got a, a ton of talent uh the, should have been a defenseman the, the impression yeah for his stats the impression that he's always left me and i think many others including the powers that be is that as big as a talent that he is he's at least that big of a head case and he's just more, caused the Islanders more headaches. And it's a very brash young fellow. And, and you know, it's and not particularly, uh, not particularly um, professional. Is that, is that fair to say? I, mean, I, I don't know anything about but, it, just by record. I mentioned Pontus Aberg last year, and he, he committed the classic blunder of, getting, of missing a practice because he slept in after... Uh, the day, game after he got promoted to Connor McDavid's line. How's that for a smart career move? Well, this is the one Josh Hosang. First day of training camp, he showed up to, uh, or he didn't show up. He missed the he, he missed the beginning of the first day of training camp, and they sent him back to junior that day. They didn't even let him on the ice. And you're gone. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hello, be ready, right? I mean, that's that's the pro approach. Goldobin, I'm just looking at his numbers, Bruce. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty promising player. He's he's not young, and he's twenty. He's going to be twenty four next uh, week. Next week, so that's that's young. Yeah, he's youngish. I don't know. I wonder why they cut him. I guess he wasn't as good as Adam Gaudet is uh, yeah. what I was reading on the uh, point of game player in the AHL, uh, not last year, but the year before, and. Almost a point every second game in Vancouver, you know. Is that better than Thomas Yurchko? Yurcho? I can. Mm-hmm. I, I always. There's no K say. in Yurcho. That's what I, I finally Yurcho. figured out. Everybody's saying Yurchko, but there's no no. The C is ch. It's not ch. <laughs> anyway, uh, no no. Anyway, uh, he always looks dangerous, but. He, he runs a, a he's run a big ugly minus in Vancouver for whatever that means. And I'm not sure that there's much breadth to his game. You know, like he's an offensive player. He's not a big guy. And, you know, no, he's, he's not. not. Yeah. And so he's uh, he's a, uh, 
kind of an iffy. Uh... You know, I think they brought in Yurcho for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Ken Holland knew the player really well. Yep. He thought this yep. guy's got some untapped potential. Mm-hmm. He really he he would have known how he did in the AHL last year when when Yurcho was probably one of the best players in the AHL, best two way players. You know, like he was. Did he did he win the championship? Was he on the championship team? Anyway, he he was a hell of a player down there, and he's really looked. Yurcho's really looked good. So yeah. far, like yeah. if, if he wasn't, if that wasn't his name and he was a returning 20 goal scorer for the Oilers, you'd think, yeah, there he is, our great dependable 20 goal scorer. And he's looking, you know, showing his class in preseason. Now, of course, we've all learned the hard way not to put too much store in preseason. Right. But um, I, I'm curious to see how he does. Like he really has some skill. He looks like kind of that classic you know how how you you turn into the world championships every year, and there's some team you never heard of. Like it's the Canadian team that they've put together is has enough talent in theory to win the Stanley Cup. That's how much talent usually is on that Team Canada team when at the World Championships. Oh and yeah. Yet and then yet they're getting tied by Norway or tied by you know uh, Switzerland or tied by Slovakia, and you think who are these Slovaks? And there, mm-hmm. there he is, Yurcho, like this guy who's on their top line and their top power play, and he's given hell to Team Canada. So this is the kind of th- these guys have a lot of talent, and in the right conditions, it comes out. And can the Oilers create that kind of condition for a player like Yurcho to thrive? And or, probably or, or, or Haas, who fits the same uh, line, general description. Second line oh. center on the Swiss team. Some guy you only ever see at the World Championship or the Spengler Cup, right? But he can play. But yeah, but so he can play. So yeah, I and listen, Haas to me, he earned a spot. Bruce to me, based on that last game, Colby Cave has never had a game in the NHL like Haas had there. Colby Cave is an interesting. He's he's a hell of a grinder. I'll give him that. But Haas has NHL speed, and I would pick him over. Personally, I would pick him over Colby Cave. Davis made the team because if he hadn't made the team, they would have had to wave him today. Yeah, and, they didn't. and I don't mind so that. He's I don't... In, so he's in there. And Haas, uh, a while back, he said he would be willing to go down to the AHL until November 1st. Now, it was an interesting uh, admission from him, frankly. Um, and maybe the team is saying, okay, well, let's do that because it's, it's a simpler choice. And we'll see what happens. And we'll call him up first chance we get. If someone gets hurt in the meantime, if we keep them up now, we're going to have to wave and maybe lose another player. So that's a consideration. Uh, Nobody's Col- taking Colby Cave on waivers. Maybe well, St. Louis, maybe Shirelli's in St. Louis. Maybe they would, I guess. <laughs> well, the last two times uh, Shirelli acquired Colby Cave, he got fired at the same month. So I don't think he's going <laughs> to want to take the third, <laughs> third risk third on time that. I- yeah right. So, anyway, so, I I don't hate Cave, you know, and he had. I don't hate uh, him either at all. He he had great fancy stats last year. Like he was number one on the team and a whole list of stuff. Like they had the puck in the other team's end when he was on the ice. Oh, That's I'm all sure he's really a better bad. player than Connor McDavid but, according to those numbers. Well, but I'm sure no, he isn't a better player. No, no. I mean, he played against weaker competition. He's a fourth line player, but he wasn't a fourth line player who was getting caved. And <laughs> he, you know, he. He just couldn't score, and that's a that's a big knock on the guy. And I think Gaten Haas, yeah, it is. And I think Gaten Haas is a guy who might be able to score, you know, ten goals kind of thing. Anyway, uh, skate and Gaten. For now, skate and Gaten is skating down to uh, to Bakersfield. I'm thinking tomorrow, and what's likely going to happen tomorrow? And don't panic, people. Is the Oilers are going to have to uh, uh, send out on paper 
two players. There's, there's, they, they, they have to send down one player, uh, and I'm thinking that's going to be Haas, but they're probably going to have to make a paper transaction of two players, and the only two forwards they have on ELC uh, who can be sent out without waivers are Haas and Nigard. And the reason they have to make room is that Kyle Brodziak, as I understand it, has to be on the roster for one day. So there'll be a paper transaction saying so-and-so is going out, and then the next day you'll say Kyle Brodziak placed on injured reserve and Joachim Nigard recalled from Bakersfield, and of course he's never left. But uh, So don't be too surprised when you hear that those two guys are uh, uh, technically assigned to Bakersfield tomorrow. Only one of them will be going. You just know that as soon as they uh, send out uh, Nigard, there's going to be 50 people on Twitter losing their minds. Yeah, for well, that's why minutes. I'm giving the advance warning. But, you know, this, I mean, Brodziak, that's another case of of Shirelli and the two-year contracts. And the second year is Bittenham. Bittenham uh, again and again. Uh, Manning, and it's uh, on... Uh, uh, Eric Greiba, remember he gave him a two-year contract well, we'll and he played it. 20 games and then they had to buy him out after one year. I mean, they're still paying for that. And the second year was just security for the player, but it was just a, uh, it was just a, a obligation for the team. Uh, came, came back to bite them in the case of several marginal players. I mean, it's fine if the player is any good, like say Ryan Strom, you just don't trade him. Uh, but if it's, you know, one-year contracts is the way that Ken Holland is going, and I have to say I approve, because these guys are all, they came to training camp uh, <clears throat> competing hard for jobs, knowing this is, you know, one year at a time for these guys. Nothing's in the bank. So our headline for tomorrow will be, Can Skaten, Gaten Shake the Bake? <laughs> all right. Uh, Bruce... Uh, so we saw him, uh, just quickly, uh, Milan Lucic. It was funny, we saw him on the power play, and there was one moment, there was one little thing where, it, like, within about 30 seconds, he touched the puck three times and turned it over on the power play, and I just thought, oh, geez, that's Milan Lucic. And, of course, then, and I was thinking of tweeting something out about about it, like, uh, you know, giving him, a, you know, some kind of snarky shot, but then I just thought, no, I'll just wait the game's over and of course he scores a power play goal shortly after that but um so bruce if there was a one roster or a couple roster moves that you would like to see like in terms of line combinations defensive combinations goalie starts other than casey de smith and net for the orders on open (laughs) what would you like to see what would you like to see um happen that might be a little bit different than what you think is going to happen well, I understand what I read this morning that they're still toying with the, the Centers 3 model, a.k.a. unicorns, with all of uh, David Dreisaitl and Nuge uh, running, their own, uh, running their own lines. Of course, that was uh, when they started practice a half hour ago. By now, they might have already reunited Dreisaitl and, and McDavid. But that's certainly a thing to watch is... How is Dave Tippett going to handle that? You know, I've been very interested to watch in preseason Drysaddle, who really only played the one game with uh, with Connor, and he played three other games uh, at center. And the difference of of his game, how he plays, when he's the, when he's the center, he's the guy that's driving the blue line with the puck, driving into the zone, finding space, holding the puck 
waiting for one of the lanes to open up and dishing off to any of the other four guys. Like he's he's phenomenal at yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while he'll shoot a pass to the other team, of course. But I mean, for the most part, he's 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 very good at protecting the puck and finding the you know the soft ice to give the other guys time to move. And when he's playing with McDavid. He's also phenomenal at moving the puck, but more from his own blue line to McDavid and letting McDavid look after the rushing and so on. And really, in a way, you think, well, there's not enough pucks to go around. And that, you know, yeah. he has to suppress some of his and Bruce, how is their talent defense? to fit in with the other guy. So How is Drysdale and McDavid's defense? What's that line's record in terms of goals against when they're out there, Bruce? Oh, man. They were, with them and Cassian, brutal. They got clobbered for goals against and know, why from January first to the end of the season, McDavid so I, had the worst record in the league for goals against per sixty. The so worst why, record why is in that? the league. Well, it's because they have two centers or zero centers or one center, depending on what's going on in any given confused. moment. But there's, yeah, it, it, it's hard to believe they're confused, but there's something amiss. Like the the their reads aren't fast enough. Yeah, their instincts are. Yeah, who's who's which? Who's F one? Who's F two? There, there, there right. seems to be some of that stuff going on. Yeah, who's the center? Who's the winger? Who's the center? Who's the winger? oh, and oh, they scored. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it works. It's just it's yeah. happens so fast, and if you don't know, mm-hmm. it's not even like a matter of knowing. It has to be automatic. You have yeah. to automatically make the right read. Like it has to be that fast. And I just I just think. With switching those guys around and having them teaming up and having them switch, like even on the same shift, they're constantly switching. And I understand that in the NHL, like people do switch to play center, like the winger, if you're first back, you do play center. But that's that's the exception to the rule. The rule is like the center is that guy down low. And Drysdale and McDavid, they're confused about that often out there. And it's led to goals against. That's I think that is the primary reason because I think both of those players are exceptional when they, when they get the puck on their stick in terms of getting the puck out of their zone, they're exceptional. They're not bad defensive players when they're stuck at center and that's all they're doing. But when you put them together, they start to screw up on their reads because they're a little bit confused and they hesitate. And hesitation means a goal against in the NHL or at least a grade A scoring chance against. So for that reason and for the other reason that you pointed out, Dry settle. You get more out of dry settle in a certain way on the attack. In a certain way. I'm not sure you got 50 goals out of him that no. way, but you're going to get there. There's other things that he brings to the table, and you know his versatility is, is such a such a wonderful weapon for the coach to have. And if I can harken back to a mandatory 80s sports reference, uh, I I think back to the wonderful great Yari Curry. Uh, and how he was a second fiddle forward for all the first eight years of his time in Edmonton, playing on the line with Gretzky and being the guy without the puck, doing the responsible defensive work, getting open for the one-timer. And as soon as Gretzky got traded, Curry more or less instantly uh, changed his game to becoming the, the number one puck transporter on the line. He was the guy cruising through the neutral zone and and, uh, and creating the... the uh, uh, sort of springing the attack at the other end as opposed to being the finisher. And it was it was just incredible to watch. Well, by then, Yari Curry was 28 years old. Played his uh, best you know, hockey in 19- You know, Dreisaitl has already played all three forward positions in the National Hockey League, and he's 23. I'd like to see him at center, too. And I I also believe that RNH, from what I've seen of him, he is more ready than ever to say, I'm driving the line. I'm going to be the guy. I, I'm going to take that puck every shift and drive that drive that line. And I, I don't think he's always had that attitude. He's always been a little deferential to other players. 
not wanting to dominate as much as that. But I think he's really, he's fed up with losing and he, and he will dominate a line. So I, I like, I really love the idea, honestly, of those three centers driving lines and not giving the fourth line that much ice time, going with those lines. And, and it, it improves the chances of, of wingers like Neil and Chase on Archibald, Yurcho, Nigard, um, of having, um, more success if they're playing with one of these, uh, really top line centers. So I'd like to see that too. Here's my, and he, no, so here's my, and it's more unorthodox because it hasn't been tried what I'm going to suggest, but I don't think that Darnell nurse is best suited in a shutdown defensive pairing. I like Darnell nurse as an attacking mobile attacking defenseman, um, kind of in more of an offensive role. And I actually think, and our, over the years, our scoring chance numbers have shown this. The defenseman on the Oilers, who's least likely to make a mistake on a grade-A chance against playing top four minutes is Chris Russell. I think Chris Russell and Adam Larson on a, on a shutdown pairing, it's not your top pairing, it's a defensive pairing uh, against tough composite competition. Put them in their own zone, put them together. Have those two guys together. Russell on your left side is a much different puck carrier, I also find, than Russell on his right side is... And I think those guys could get the job done in a way that Nurse and Larson, I'm starting to wonder if they can, because I just think Russell is that much better on defense than than Darnell Nurse. I think Larson and Russell will be able to move the puck well enough to survive together, and I'd love to see Darnell Nurse used in more of an offensive capacity with either Ethan Bear or Joel, Joel uh, Pearson as his partner, or Matt Benning. And then you'd have uh, Clefbaum with, with one of those uh, other guys as well. So you'd have essentially two attack pairings, one shutdown pairing, and they'd all, in my mind, they would all get about equal ice time um, with uh, either Nurse or Clefbaum out there with McDavid um, or Dry Settles line or however you want to work that. But I just, that's what I'd like to see. And I don't think it's going to happen, but I think you'd have a better chance for success. I'm just not trusting Nurse and Larson. Well, they haven't given us a lot of reason to trust what we've seen in the preseason so far. Like they, they both had a tough time in Calgary on Saturday night, I thought, for. Oh, they were the one experienced defense pair Oilers had in that game, really. Uh, they had the most trouble. Now, they had they had a lot of minutes, and they uh, uh, they probably had the toughest matchups. I didn't really track that real close, but uh, uh, I'm just looking up to see how much time they played together. They've played uh, a thousand minutes in the last few years. Like It's not like we haven't seen Nurse and Larson. They've played together a long time. They haven't. I don't think they've been caved in on goals against in that time. I think they've actually pretty much even. So that's kind of a hopeful thing. But I just look at the rate that those guys tend to make mistakes on grade A chances against, and I'm a little bit worried about them together. Maybe they can get it together. And but I just think it's a more natural home for Chris Russell. And the only question is, can Russell and Larson move the puck out well enough yeah, together? That's a huge now, question. Two hundred and twenty. 226 minutes together, Nurse and or sorry, Larson and Russell. Oh, is that and, it? Yeah, yeah, and they've uh, they've spent most too much of it in their own end of the ice, but it is a small sample. But it's an interesting idea. I mean, it's the trouble is that you know they they don't have enough top four defensemen, so they're going to have to solve the problem one way or another. And unfortunately, if you put Larson and Russell as a pairing, then you've got Kleffbaum and and nurse who are both lefties who are sort of your other natural top four defensemen so now you've got your three top four defensemen on three different pairings and i guess you just want equal minutes and pick your spots as to who plays where as much as you can but it's not yeah, an I ideal situation it. i don't see it 
a ton of separation among these defense. Like, are any of them a top four defenseman? I guess Clefbaum probably is. Nurse has been. Um, Larson maybe. You know, Russell's kind of half there. It's it's kind of a motley crew uh, in terms of NHL defense. If, if we're completely, if I'm completely honest, like there's no yes. standouts. So, you know, we're waiting for that standout player to come. And, you know, we're hoping it might be Evan Bouchard. We, we're hoping it might be Philip Broberg. And we're hoping that the Nurse and Larson and Clefbaum all finally really step up and for a full year play to their potential. And we, man, that would be wonderful to see. But we have, um, we're still waiting. And kind of last year was the season when it should have happened, by all rights, given their age. And it didn't. So um, I'm getting a little bit uh skeptical at this point but just a little bit i'm i'm open to being happily surprised and wouldn't be surprised if i was happily surprised well nurse last year for all that uh some thought he took a step back uh last year nurse became the first oilers defenseman to score 30 even strength points in a season since wait for it steve smith in 1990-91 (laughs) No other defenseman in 28 years has scored 30 points, and and so he got the points. I think he got a few cheap points. But you Playing know what, with the year, McDavid and Drysaddle, right? Well, like, they all played with McDavid and Drysaddle. Where are the 30 points for the other guys? I don't see him. Fair enough. No, he's you know, he's he's a dynamic player. And, this is and why last, I don't want him on the shutdown pair, Bruce. And the last 10 years, they have two defensemen who scored 25 points. And those were Darnell Nurse in each of, each of the last two seasons. He's okay. the only guy to do it. He's 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 at least getting some offense somehow. Like it's not maybe yeah. traditional uh, running the point type of offense, but at even strength, he's a, you know he's a dynamic player, and stuff sometimes happens, good good and bad. But let's give some credit for the good. And, and that's what I'm trying to do actually here in mm-hmm. in changing up these pairings is play to his strength because yeah, I think I his you. strength is that dynam dynamism. And let's go with that. Let's run with that. Let's put him with a guy like uh, Ethan Bear or Joel Parrison. And let's see how they do together uh, moving the puck. You know, there's going to be a bit of chaos out there, but I think they could get something done offensively. And this team is desperate for that. I mean, it's a team that couldn't You get behind a goal last year and it was over. It was done. This team was so weak. So I know they've got to cut goals against them. That's their focus. But really, they need better goaltending as much as anything in that regard. So... Um, Okay, my last thing on op- for opening night, and we'll we'll end here. Unless we'll give, I'll give you one more shot at it. Is I'd like to see Smith, not Koskinen. And this is this is why the Canucks. I've noticed they saw uh, Peterson beat uh, Koskinen glove hand a few times, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it got in all their minds. Oh, we can beat Koskinen glove hand, and they're all shooting like they're Peterson now. Like they all have incredible confidence shooting against Koskinen. The Canucks believe they can bury it against Koskinen, and because they believe it, they do it. So I would not be playing him against the Canucks. I would be playing Mike Smith. There you go. Any final thoughts that you have? Yeah. Uh, just because it's game one, uh, I'm thinking Koskinen gets the first start and Smith gets the second uh, because Koskinen's, you know, the the senior guy on the team. And, the, you know, he's, you know, if you look at the contract status, he's the number one. Uh, and let the you know let the best man win. But are you, you think the best man has already proven out of training camp to be Smith that he should get the start in game one? I think uh, he. I think that's true, and I think Tippett believes that as well. And I think he will. I think we will see Smith. Not, neither guy posted a save percentage above 900 in any single preseason game or half game. Well, there you go. If you want a lot of confidence in our net <laughs> finding. 
On the other hand, uh, Stuart Skinner and, and Dylan Wells each had a 1,000 save percentage when they played in, the, in that <laughs> first game against the, against the Winnipeg Jets. So anyway, what, for what preseason matters, I mean, the, 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 the disparity of competition in preseason, just from line to line, or certainly from game to game, you get entire weak teams that you play against. You know that that uh, you really can't put a lot of stock in the in the stats or the fact that the Oilers were number one in the NHL uh, in uh, shot shot attempt percentage and shot percentage. They they outshot everybody they played and by a significant margin. Maybe that's Dave Tippett's work, or maybe that's just preseason. Don't pay any attention to it. You tell it's, me. That's, I don't pay any attention to that right. in the preseason. Like, well, what was their faceoff percentage in the preseason too? I think the uh, Calgary was the uh, got the better of them in the on the dot in the last game, if I'm not mistaken. All right, Bruce. Well, let's leave it there. Thanks yeah, for lots of news to come in the next couple of days, and of course, season kicks off on Wednesday. So uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Let me just go on Twitter here before we sign off because I just want to make sure that we haven't missed anything. Uh, let's see. Of course, my computer's all seized up. It works. Yeah, uh, it doesn't look like we missed anything. These are the lines from today. Uh, Yurcho McDavid Neal, Yurcho, first line. Nigar Drysidel Cassian, Grandland RNH Chason, Kara Cave Archibald. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. And uh, Russell and Haas, the extra forwards. Cheyenne is not on the ice. I don't. I don't mind those lines at all. All right. Thanks for talking, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.